Blog Talk Radio. It's time for the kickoff. Behind everything that is great, there is a great mind, a mastermind. Get ready for the fantasy football mastermind edge. The definitive fantasy football information and advice show. Your host, fantasy football mastermind, Michael Nazareth, has several decades of fantasy football experience. His website, ffmastermind.com, offers comprehensive fantasy football information, including a preseason drafting strategy guide and weekly in-season fantasy football newsletters. The Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge offers fantasy football picks to click and flip. The latest NFL news and much, much more each week during the fantasy football season. Remember, there's no bragging rights for finishing second. You lose! Good day, sir! Here's your host of the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge, Michael Nazareth. Welcome to the show, everybody. It is August 9th. Uh, we're entering the first full week of preseason games here in 2023. We already had the Hall of Fame game last Thursday night, a little bit of a taste there. We're really excited about the upcoming season, and we're going to get right into the news and notes. My name's Michael Nazareth, and I'm host of the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge podcast, Fantasy Football Mastermind can be found on the web at ffmastermind.com. And with me once again, my very good friend and very experienced fantasy writer and player, Chris Rito. How are you doing tonight, Chris? Very well, sir. Very well, thank you. We're live from uh, rainy Indianapolis for me. It's coming down in sheets right now. I'm just glad that uh, when you, you talked about preseason, I'm just glad for the first time in a long time, first week of preseason, we're not talking about a major season-ending injury to some you know, relevant fantasy star. So it's good that nothing's happened yet, but then again, the first games are this weekend. Maybe next Tuesday we'll be talking about that. Uh, fingers crossed that uh, that you're correct on that and that we don't ever have to talk about that. But, you know, uh, this is the NFL, and anytime they're practicing or playing, uh, something bad can happen. And uh, we've got a couple of injuries to talk about and all. But let's uh, let's talk about the news and notes here. Uh, some of it's kind of light, which is a good thing. Uh, apparently Justin Fields in Chicago uh, is just tearing it up in camp. Uh, he's very much more comfortable entering his second season there as a starter. Uh, he's making good decisions, good accurate throws in, uh, in the practices. And, of course, their first game is this weekend. Uh, we're going to see how he looks good there. But uh, what does the good camp for him do for your uh, thoughts on his fantasy potential this year, Chris? Well, you know, for those of who were listening last week, they know that I'm very bullish on, on Justin Fields this year. I've actually got him ranked as my fourth overall quarterback. I think he's going to show that same jump Jalen Hurts showed the year before. This is just kind of adding fuel to that fire. It kind of makes me feel a little more comfortable that I didn't stick my neck out too far. Um, you know, if he shows any, even a moderate amount of improvement in his passing game, um, and part of it's going to be the fact he's got his better receivers now. He's going to have Mooney healthy and DJ Moore is he's really locking with. Just a minimal improvement with his rushing totals are going to make him a, a very, very, very good fantasy option. So, I, don't, I think some people are predicting a huge jump in yards. I'm actually predicting a more moderate jump in yards, but a huge jump in passing touchdowns. That offense should just get better. So I, I really think, again, this, this kind of reports just solidify the fact that I did kind of stick my neck out already and say he's going to be a top-five quarterback uh, for fantasy this year. Well, we're right in the middle of drafting in our uh, FanX draft, uh, Fantasy Experts draft. 
Um, and uh, Fields went uh, as the QB5 uh, right in the middle of the fourth round. Uh, we're drafting out of the five hole. We've yet to draft a quarterback, so if you want to uh, check us out, uh, the link is uh, can be found uh, on my Twitter account uh, as well as on uh, our QuickBits page at FF Mastermind. Uh, and also, if you want to know our pick analysis as we make our picks, we've made four picks already. Uh, you can purchase our preseason draft guide for 19.95. But let's get right to the uh, bigger news news of, of the week uh, that happened last Friday because the NFL likes to dump the suspension news on Friday. Alvin Kamara of the Saints was suspended only three games instead of a possible six. I guess uh, when he met with Cradell, uh, they kind of negotiated that, and he's not appealing that, so he will miss the first three games. So in your mind, uh, Chris, how does that affect Alvin Kamara's stats for uh, fantasy football? Uh, well, I mean, I, I don't know if it does that much from what most people were projecting. Most people, were when they're filling out projections, were assuming four to six games. So, obviously, this is an improvement on that. He'll be getting back a little bit earlier. Um, the, I mean, we're going to talk a little bit more about Kareem Hunt later. He's going to fit into a lot of these stories here. But uh, I, I think what it does is now you can unambiguously say, okay, what's going to happen those first three weeks? And I look at Jamal Williams those first three weeks. They're, they're at home against Tennessee – um, at Carolina and at Green Bay. Uh, Jamal Williams uh, has uh, not always done really well on grass. Um, he's got two two games uh, against not, not great run defenses the second third weeks, but he's not really done well on grass the last few years. And it, he's done really well at home and on turf, but he's got Tennessee, who was the number one defense in the league against the rush last year. So those people that are drafting Jamal Williams at his ceiling thinking he's going to do something like he did with the 17 touchdowns in Detroit last year, or maybe at least be an RB1 coming out of the gate for three weeks, I think they might be overestimating that. And I think that just kind of drops Jamal Williams on my draft list and maybe ticks uh, Alvin Kamara up a few, although I, I probably had him a little higher than most to start with. Yeah, we had him pretty low, uh, but we did move him up, and we did move Jamal Williams down, took a couple of TDs away from him in his projections, if you want to know exactly where he ranks with uh, with the, us uh, and Mastermind, and, uh, of course, check out the draft guide. Uh, moving on over to your end of the town, and we will get to talk to him about Mr. Hunt here because Jonathan Taylor has been doing rehab work off-site. Uh, he's still on the pup list with the ankle, and he was excused. Uh, what's the latest there on Jonathan Taylor with the Colts, uh, Chris? Yeah, I think because of all the situation with the contract and the trade request, people are maybe reading into his working offsite as he's kind of whizzed at the team and he doesn't want to be around them or be a distraction or something. I don't know if that's true. I've not heard anything specific. I think that's what a lot of the national media are saying. Locally, people are shrugging their shoulders a bit, saying, yeah, he wasn't going to be practicing anyway. So uh, at this point, I'm not concerned yet. I still am a believer that that Taylor is going to be in and ready to go week one, and he's going to play, not going to hold out or anything like that. I don't think he's going to get traded. And I think part of that might have to do with what we're going to talk about Kareem Hunt, what, that, that he's going to be back, he's going to be around, and this really is just him rehabbing uh, on his own. I hope that's the case uh, because the team desperately needs him or somebody like him in their offense. Uh, speaking of Mr. Hunt, uh, we had not heard uh, hide nor hair of him uh, until yesterday when all of a sudden uh, it was announced that he was going to be going to the Saints uh, and pending a physical sign. Well, that didn't happen. An hour or two later, they said that he finished up his 
great visit with the Saints, uh, and he did pass the physical, but he left uh, and did not sign, and then went to go visit the Colts, and he left the Colts today without signing there. Apparently, the Colts offered him about the same as the Saints, but it was more guaranteed money up front. The Saints are having big-time cap issues, so they couldn't offer more of a guarantee. So I think Mr. Hunt is just like Mr. Cook, Dalvin Cook, waiting for something major to happen. We've had a couple of minor injuries. Uh, Marlon Mack uh, tore his Achilles. He's gone for the year. And Zach Moss in Buffalo is gone for six weeks with the the arm injury, broken arm. But unless a starter goes down, uh, I don't think these guys are going to be seeing 10-plus million or whatever or even close to that. Uh, in an offer, but we're just going to have to wait and wait it out. That's what they're doing there. What do you think uh, about Kareem Hunt uh, and the Colts? Do you think that's a good fit, uh, or do you think he's going to end up somewhere else, Chris? Well, I, I did think it was a good hit, a good fit, but uh, you know, Zach Moss is actually in Indianapolis right now, so that's, he's the backup to Jonathan Taylor. So him being out six weeks make it even more dire uh, reason why they brought him in. They also brought in Kenyon Drake and signed him. He's been practicing with him. as about the only healthy running back in Indianapolis for the last week. Um, I think Kareem Hunt probably had the same thing in each place because uh, rumor has it he was actually ready to head out to the practice field in New, in New Orleans while they were going to waiting for the physical results. Um, so he, I think he went there thinking, you know, hey, maybe Kamara's not going to be back for a while or he can fit in, but they realized he spent a lot of money on Kamara and a lot of money on Jamal Williams. Probably isn't going to see the field that much, maybe after week three. And so he said, well, maybe Indianapolis has offered me a better opportunity for the same money, and he went there. And maybe when he went there, he got talking to him and said, yeah, well, Zach's going to be back in week one, maybe week two. We don't think – we're not planning on trading Taylor, so you're not, like, coming in to compete for a, a feature role. And he, he just kind of got turned off by that. And like you said, he's waiting for either a lot of guaranteed money that he's not going to get or a feature role for a place that loses their number one guaranteed, like if Taylor definitely is traded or definitely is hurt. So I, I think that's why he's not here. But would he be a good fit? I think he'd be a great fit for the offense, the way Shane Steichen is wanting to run it. Yep. Well, uh, yeah, I did misspeak. Thank you for correcting me there. Uh, <laughs> Zach Moss, uh, the guy he was traded for, Naheem Hines, he's out for the year uh, with a knee injury. So, yeah, all these the backup running backs are going down and such. But it's going to be interesting to see where he is. Moving on over to the wide receiver position, Keenan Allen over in, uh, in L.A., he's a pretty happy guy these days because uh, in the former uh, offense, Lombardi's uh, offense there, uh, before he was uh, canned, uh, he, was, he stuck uh, Keenan Allen in the slot and wouldn't make let him move around. Well, uh, Keenan Allen has been moving around to the XYZ positions and all some, some playing the slot, sometimes outside. He's very much happier uh, playing all these different roles, and he sees himself more as in a C.D. Lamb-type role that C.D. Lamb plays for the Cowboys. If the Chargers that, in my opinion, that's a, a good thing for uh, Keenan Allen's fantasy potential, more uh, possibilities for big play scores and such. How do you feel about Keenan Allen this, this year, Chris? Uh, again, I think I'm very high on Keenan Allen. A lot of people look at his stats this year, and I think he had a down year. Um, he actually came back after Herbert was playing with that chest injury, and he was the wide receiver seven, I believe, from week seven or eight on when he came back to the lineup in PPR. So he actually put up really good wide receiver one numbers. And Keenan Allen is a great technical receiver. I don't think he often gets credit for as good of a technical receiver as he is. So he can line up in all these places and still beat people. By moving him around, he's going to be able to set himself up for mismatches. So he might have some easier looks now. Uh, he might not get as many because I think that, that offense really favored the slot, and he got a lot of, you know, he was being fed like a lot of slot receivers. 
but he might get easier and maybe higher quality looks now. So I think his overall outlook is probably about the same, maybe a few less receptions, but possibly more touchdowns or bigger plays for, for the same amount or maybe more yards. That's kind of what I'm seeing. Anyway. Yeah. I would have to agree with you there, and this is the reason why I've always been high on Keenan Allen this year. Uh, I have him in the dynasty team, so I know exactly what he did at the end of last year, and it's, it's the only question is if he's healthy. If he's healthy, he's going to smash this year. Uh, and, and the ADP's been going around uh, y, uh, WR uh, 15, 16, 17, somewhere around there, maybe even 18 or 19, and uh, I have him more closer to number 12 on the list. He's not didn't quite make my top 10. Uh, we're going to get into wide receivers next week on the show, but, but I'm, I'm high on Keenan Allen too. Let's get to the short injury list of, uh, of players here. Uh, we have a more comprehensive list on the site, the premium subscribers uh, mastermind. Uh, Joe Burrow in Cincinnati with the uh, coming off that uh, calf injury. His timeline still remains unchanged. He's expect, expected to miss several more weeks, but he should be okay for week one. Uh, no change there. Over in Kansas City, Isaiah Pacheco with a hand and shoulder and Kadiris Tony with the knee. They're both expected to play come week one, but they're still out here uh, not practicing. I think Pacheco's kind of being uh, eased back in and, and starting to see a little bit of practice time where he will be here in the next couple of days. Uh, good news over in the L.A. for the Rams. Uh, Cooper Cup had that hamstring injury. He worked off to the side today. Uh, first time we've been seeing him back on the practice field. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, they expect him by the time they do joint practice, I think next week that he'll be uh, back and practicing with the team. They're going to take it easy with him, but it looks like uh, there's no danger of him missing week one there. For the Jets, good news there. Garrett Wilson with an ankle injury, is a low ankle sprain. He was limited in practice, returned today. Uh, so they'll ease him back in. It looks like good moving there. Uh, a new injury that just broke today in Miami, uh, Jalen Waddell, uh, in joint practices there for the Dolphins. He injured his uh, midsection. He, he went down hard, uh, uh, laid on the ground for a while, got up, and was holding his right midsection and kind of walked off to the field uh, and didn't practice the rest of the day. So we've yet to hear a report on that. We'll have an update for everybody uh, on ffmastermind.com when we hear more on that. Tyler Lockett, uh, hamstring, uh, just a minor tightness. They worked off to the side yesterday and today, uh, so he's expected to be okay. They're just taking it easy on them. And then uh, tight end Logan Thomas, and what do I mention to him uh, because uh, he used to be fantasy uh, relevant, but he's always had these injuries. And in a deep dynasty league, uh, Steve Yerger, our IDP specialist, and myself run a team. And at the very end of our rookie draft, we grabbed Logan Thomas as a third tight end. And of course, now he's got a calf injury. They're, quote, not rushing him back because, yeah, he's an old man now. So we'll see. Keep an eye on him. Anyway, we'll be right back after this important message. You know you want to dominate your fantasy football league. Manage your teams with assistance from the definitive fantasy football information service, Fantasy Football Mastermind. Found on the web at ffmastermind.com. There's plenty of free stuff, and the premium content will consistently give your teams the best chance to go all the way. Co-founder and CEO Michael Nazarek has several decades of experience, including winning four consecutive SI.com Experts League Championships, along with tens of thousands of dollars playing in the Fantasy Football Players Championship. Go to ffmastermind.com and check out their volumes of fantasy football content updated daily, which give you the edge you need to legitimately claim championship. Championship! Redrafter, Dynasty, Keeper, Auction, Salary Cap, IDP. They cover them all with the best content available anywhere. 
go to ffmastermind.com. The longer you wait, the more great information you'll be missing. Okay, we urge everyone to check out our website, ffmastermind.com, especially our flagship feature, which is absolutely free, NFL Quick Bits. That's ffmastermind.com slash quickbits.php. Also, we're uh, pumping out the free uh, Iron Sky scouting reports uh, that include those on the Colts from Chris Rito, as well as keeping track of all the player movement, the free agent tracker, and the player movement, and, and the coaches feature, and all that. And of course, for premium subscribers, our Masters List customizable cheat sheet, our MCP board, Mastermind Championship Projections board, and our Executive Draft Master software, drafting software, has been updated. It will be updated again tomorrow evening, Friday's release of, of the version four of the guide. Version three is out right now. Seventeen articles, three hundred seventy-seven pages. The price is nineteen ninety-five. We've just released our first initial two perfect drafts, uh, covering ten-team non-PPR and PPR. And tomorrow we're going to be releasing our twelve-teamers uh, for the perfect draft. There, going sixteen rounds. Uh, that gives you an idea about where you're <laughs> drafting in your drafts, about what the players you're going to be able to take, and what kind of strategy and such going on. That John Cooney does a very good job with that, and. Uh, we're, uh, we want to give – we had some people ask about John Cooney. Uh, he's still uh, – actually, he's come home from the hospital. Uh, he's feeling a little bit better, but he's got a lot of doctor's exams and such to go over, uh, and he may be p- taking a temporary leave from uh, from the website. Uh, it's kind of touch and go right now, but uh, he, he says thank you for all the well wishes and prayers and such, and he appreciates that. And we certainly hope that uh, that he does get better and comes back to the site's very important role uh, at FF Mastermind, and we'll just leave it at that right now. Anyway, uh, if you're interested in a draft guide as well as our newsletters, that's our uh, Pro Bowl package, 49.95, And, of course, if you add in the Executive Draft Master drafting software, it's 59.95 is our Super Bowl package. Please follow me on Twitter at FF Mastermind. All right, this is the, the, uh, the running back show. So we're going to hit the top 10 running backs uh, in PPR formats because most people now uh, kind of lean towards uh, playing in PPR league. So, Chris, what are your t- who are your top three uh, running backs in PPR? Well, I don't think there's going to be a big surprise here. Christian McCaffrey's number one. I think he's the unquestioned number one pick at running back in both redraft or dynasty league, PPR or non-PPR. I mean, his per-game pace would have put him about five PPR points per game ahead of any other fantasy running back over the last four or five years. He's three points per game ahead of all running back once he got traded to the Niners last season. And this may be the best overall offensive talent he's played with in his career. Uh, he's just an absolute game changer. You could even consider it number one overall, even in a year dominated by wide receivers in round one. Um, Austin Eckler is number two for me in PPR. Uh, every, each of the last two years, I've said Eckler can't reproduce his touches and touchdowns, and then he has a stupidly good stat line. So I'm just not going to underrate him again. He's, he's played most every game and was an RB number one. And even though, again, they're reporting the team wants to lighten his workload, I'm going to believe that when I see it. I mean, 20 and 16 touchdowns the last two seasons and a full-time starter, only one missed game tells me he's a lock for double-digit touchdowns. Uh, And his ludicrous usage in the passing game should let him probably get 80 catches or 800 yards in a healthy season. So he's a solid RB1 uh, in PPRs. And then my number three is Saquon Barkley. Now that the the contract rabble has all died down, I expect Barkley to be just as dominant as usual and maybe even run with a chip on his shoulder. Um, he's already one of the most heavily used running backs in the league, a three-down option. And if anything, the Giants are going to overuse him rather than underuse him if, they, if they're worried about his lifespan. So I think he's a mortal lock for 50 catches. He even tallied 91 as a rookie. So you know there's upside there in PPR. 
and he's got no clear option to take carries and touches away. So he's going to be a high-volume guy and really the only guy, in my opinion, with the potential to break into that top two for PPR based on his all-around game. Okay, my top uh, five, top three, the same names, just a slight different order, but very close. Number one is CMC for the fact that you just said, I've owned him in Dynasty, and when he plays, he just produces. He's a fantastic talent. At any time, he can break a run for a long score, take a short pass and first score. Uh, the only question, obviously, is, is he going to play all 17 games and we finger crossed since we own him in Dynasty that he will, but you got you got to rank him number one. Number two, I have Barkley just by hair over Eckler, and uh, but I deferred to you a little bit when we drafted in the five hole in Phoenix and took Eckler there. I just have Barkley just that only simple fact that with uh, offensive coordinator Kellen Moore is going to be throwing the ball downfield more, and if Allen Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and and those guys stay healthy, then I think it'll be a little bit less dunking for Eckler. And I know that John's going to use the heck out of Barkley, so uh, that's how I have that Barkley number one, number two, and Eckler number three on my list. Number four is B. John Robinson. I uh, you know but technically in the first uh, depth, chart, the depth chart that the Falcons released, he was number three, but and that's BS. That's just preseason garbage. Uh, he can do it all. He's going to be playing a third down, a three, three back role on this team. He's going to be playing ahead of quarter up passion. He's going to see most of his action out of the slot or a wide receiver or in the return game and Tyler Algeo will be the backup there. Bijan probably going to rush for 1,300-plus yards, double-digit scores, probably catch 30 to 40 passes here, and that puts him number four on my list. Number five, I'm, I'm conservative right now uh, in the fact that, uh, well, maybe optimistic. Jonathan Taylor, People, some people have him lower on this list, but I just can't put him any lower. Uh, I think he will end up reporting at the last minute and playing. He might get off to a slow start. But if he can stay healthy, and that's a big F there, uh, he got the talent to run for 1,400 yards, catch another 40 passes, and score uh, 10, 11 times there. And, and so he's at number five for me. So what about uh, your next two uh, on your list, Chris? Uh, I've got Derrick Henry number four. I mean, King Henry's just a beast. He's finished in the top four in PPR scoring four straight years, despite only catching 88 passes in that time, nearly half of those last year with his new offensive coordinator. His usage is just simply elite. And there's little reason to believe the Titans aren't going to ride Henry hard again, so he'll get the touches. He's about as safe a pick as an RB1 as possible, although his ADP has slipped into the second round in most leagues. Um, I think people are thinking he's going to hit the wall. But I think adding DeAndre Hopkins to the passing game should make the offense more efficient, create more scoring chances, and maybe attract enough attention at the goal line to ease some of those you know, hammers, hammer scores that he gets. My number five is another good usage guy, Nick Chubb. I mean, the Browns make no bones about their plan. They plan to run the ball and beat you up. I think the addition of Deshaun Watson will make the offense more efficient and produce more scoring chances, but I don't think they're going to become pass-happy and take the ball out of Chubb's hands. Now, remember, he's also split time and touches with Kareem Hunt for a few years, and he still posted alpha dog numbers in the dog pound, and now Hunt is gone somewhere unless he resigns there. So I think he's finally going to get his elite usage numbers off the chart. And he's a closer. He runs out the fourth quarter. He piles up stats. So he's got a high weekly floor, and he tends to score touchdowns in bunches, so he has some weekly upside as well. Yep. Uh, well, my next three, two of them are guys you just talked about. Number six is Derrick Henry for the main, main, main reasons why you mentioned King Henry there. I just see maybe DeAndre Hopkins taking a few scores away from Henry here, but still he's a solid uh, RB1 there right in the middle there at number, uh, number six. And Nick Chubb without Kareem Hunt should be uh, I mean, probably the best overall runner in the league. 
Uh, just doesn't catch many passes and all, but I think he's good, going to be good for 1,500-plus yards and another 10 scores there. Put him in number seven. And number eight in my book is the Ramondre Stevenson, as long as Dalvin Cook doesn't sign it. I don't think he will because New England's not willing to pay him what he wants. But he's a do-all-everything there. Uh, there's no more Damian Harris there. Uh, you know, uh, in New England, Stevenson's going to do it all. He's going to run for 1,000 yards, can probably score another seven, eight times there, and catch – 60-plus uh, passes there easily, maybe score another one or two there, and, and that puts him at number eight. Our RB1 uh, that you can actually get probably in the middle of the third round of your draft ADP right now in PPR leagues. How about the rest of your top ten, Chris? Uh, I've got Jonathan Taylor number six. Uh, I'm not concerned about the injury, like you said. That, that When he got injured last year, it was literally the first practice he had ever missed, even going back to grade school and high school. So practice, not even game, practice he'd ever missed. So I think he was the undisputed choice at number one last year, and maybe his situation on paper might even be better. His offensive line still full of pro bowlers who are playing with a chip on their shoulder, and now they've got the superior athleticism of Anthony Richardson under center, so it makes the RPO a viable threat to open some lanes. My bigger concern is that he might have continued regression from his 2021 touchdown rate, which was maybe unsustainably high. Uh, same with big play rate. And he played much of last year injured, so I don't think you know the numbers are really that accurate. So despite all the contract stuff, I expect him to play day one. Uh, I think you can get some great value in round two when you, when you get him. I have Bijan Robinson, number seven. I know a lot of people are rating him as a high-end number one, and I've seen him going in the first few picks in redraft leagues. That's just a little too rich for my blood. Um, he's a generational talent, a no-brainer first number one pick in dynasties. There's just enough nagging issue here to make me wonder if he'll give you the value in redraft, even without invoking the rookie wall. Um, there's a run-heavy offense, but there's also proven guys to vulture touches. Tyler Algier ran for 1,000 yards as a rookie last year. Butterell Patterson is not going to totally go away. He's coming off consecutive nine-touchdown seasons. They have arguably the least intimidating passing game in the NFL, so defenses can focus on the run. Will he be great? Absolutely. But I think the risk here is, for, is to fall short of expectations more than for the guys being drafted around him because he's being drafted at his ceiling, uh, not, his, not his average. I got Tony Pollard, number eight. He's playing on the franchise tag. Zeke's out of the picture. Cowboys should have no issue running Pollard ragged, using him up. He looks poised to get a huge workload. And he was number nine last year with a workload more like A.J. Dillon or Raheem Mostert. So I think he's, he's got big potential. Now, he was actually PPR number one running back for a 10-week span in midseason when he actually got more than 50% of the touches, and that was only at 53%. So big usage could really shoot him up there. Um, I think they might rule out. I can't rule out them re-signing Zeke or someone like that to share touches, but I don't think he's going to get the crazy high-value looks that Zeke was vulturing. So I think he's going to be great. I got Josh Jacobs, number nine. He led the NFL with a crazy Derrick Henry-like 393 touches last year, led the NFL in rushing. But this is just as high as I can rank him, and it's maybe even too high if he's not ready for week one. Um, Again, no competition for touches, but the offense and the overall team have taken a little step back. So I think predicting a regression from a career year, seems reasonable. Um, 80% of the guys that have led the league in touches over the last decade have failed to repeat as even a fantasy running back number one. Not the number one, but as a number one. So whether that's mileage breakdowns or regression. So I think he's due to step back. He'll be a solid one if he reports, but the camp lack may increase the likelihood of a slow start or a breakdown. So you got to be aware of that. And number 10, I've got a tie between Aaron Jones and Najee Harris. Um, we'll talk more about them later. Aaron Jones has four straight years with between 47 and 60 catches and four straight years with the top 11 PPR running back. He's an average of 12 touchdowns a season. He's, he's a consistent mid to low end RB1. 
And Najee Harris led the NFL in touches his last in his two pro seasons. So, uh, and the big key to production is is opportunity. So we'll talk more about them in a little bit. Okay, uh, my number nine, uh, Josh Jacobs, for the exact same reasons, and that's the same location you've got him. Uh, he's still inside. He's holding out, but uh, Josh McDaniel said, hey, whenever he comes, he's going to be carrying the workload. He's not going to be sharing any extra carries or whatever with Zamir White, who's uh, listed as the number one RB right now on the team because Jacobs is unsigned. I think Jacobs is going to sign at some point and, and return for week one. And number 10 is Tony Pollard for the exact same reasons you said. I think Dallas is going to really uh, use him a lot. Uh, I know that they might end up re-signing Zeke, but even with Zeke in, in tow, Pollard was still top 12 last year. I think he can finish number 10 even if Zeke signs. And there's a good chance he won't sign. So I think uh, I like Pollard this this year. And I know you mentioned Harrison Jones. My honorable mention goes to Joe Mixon, who is my number 11 guy. Uh, he's so underrated. Uh, he took less money to stay with the Bengals. He's going to see all that volume. He's not a flashy back. Uh, didn't make very many big plays, but when you see that type of volume, he's gonna he's going to score touchdowns and also he's gonna catch you know 60 passes or so. So that's good for him too. All right, let's get to a couple of guys. Chris, who do you like as underrated uh, sleeper type guys? Uh, a couple of uh, running okay. backs this year. Okay, I'm gonna talk about those two guys I had tied for for tenth there. First, Aaron Jones. I mean, he had a down year in 2021 and he still finishes RB11 in PPR league by scoring 10 10 times. 59 catches and 1,600 total yards last year, quietly finishing as a PPR number one running back again, despite the backfield split each season. It's that backfield split that keeps his draft ranking down. It keeps him from not being an RB1 in the draft, but he turns out to be every year. So I think with new quarterback Jordan Love, he might be in for a little more usage as a safety valve in the passing game. And maybe in the running game, he might get more look at the goal line because the Packers aren't as likely to let this youngster throw in tight spaces like they did Rodgers. So, I think he's a safe and yet weakly explosive pick for the wrap at the end of round three or maybe even later that will outproduce his RB17 ADP. And then Najee Harris, like I said, he was again top five in touches in 2022, but he was perceived to have a down year because his receptions dropped off. I think that was mostly due to the inexperienced quarterback play. But if you look at his game log, as Pickett got his feet under him, Harris was PPR running back number eight from weeks 11 through 18. Uh, he's also surprisingly elusive. He forced the second most missed tackles over his first two years. So I think his volume-induced production should make him a low-end RB1 or at least a very high number two. But I've seen him going in drafts as low as the 20th running back or lower. So any uptick in his pedestrian touchdown numbers would also really shoot him up these ranks. Yeah, uh, a couple of guys I like this week uh, as uh, sleepers here at running back. Uh, Rashard White uh, for the Bucks. Uh They literally signed nobody. They didn't draft anybody. Well, they signed Chase Edmonds, but he's going to be the clear third down back, pseudo back. But White's going to be used a lot in the passing downs too. Uh, the amazing thing about White is that, well, this was back in May in the Fantasy Index uh, Experts mock draft. Uh, I was drafting out of the nine hole, and in the seventh round for my third running back, I took White, and that's RB26. Now, I think he's going maybe a little bit higher than that uh, this year. We have him, let's see, uh, I got I got him in the top 20 now in my, in, my, in my list. To get him at RB26, that's crazy. It probably can't get him that low anymore. That was back in May, but, but still, his ADP is around six to seven. I got him around seven, six, still a value there. And uh, right along with him came Akers. Had a fantastic last uh, stretch of games for the Rams last year after all those issues about wanting to be traded and wasn't traded. Now uh, they've they're gone all in on him, gotten rid of Daryl Henderson, and Sonny Michelle's gone and retired. Uh, so um, 
acres is going to surprise a lot of people, and you can get them as an RB3 there in round six or seven. Or uh, if you wait and you load up on an elite tight end or quarterback and running backs early, uh, I mean wide receivers early, then you can get them as an RB2, and he can perform just as well for that. How about a couple of guys that you're not crazy about, maybe overrated, Chris, the running back? Uh, the other big rookie stud is Jameer Gibbs. I think, he's, again, being drafted at his ceiling and not at realistic expectation. Could he see 90, 80 or 90 catches? Sure. I just don't think it's likely. His current ADP has been as high as PPR number eight running back so far. That's going to require him to rush to like 1,000 yards and get 10 total touchdowns with 70 catches. I mean, really, as a committee back, didn't the Lions also sign David Montgomery to a very big dollar contract, making their intentions very clear to use him extensively? I think Gibbs' primary value is also as obviously as a receiver, not a rusher, but Detroit has upgraded the receiving core and their defense, meaning he's not the first choice in the passing game, nor will they be throwing as often. And I think one of the things that really nags me is that he was never really a workhorse in college at either Georgia Tech or Bama, and he struggled to stay fully healthy in both places. So I think he's an electric talent. I just want to temper his expectations for volume uh, going into the draft. And then James Conner. Uh, he, he had a very nice finish of the year last year. Uh, very similar to Najee Harris, as I just said. But he's a very touchdown-dependent option for a team that's going to struggle to put themselves in scoring position, especially if Tyler Murray is out of the lineup. Uh, you might suspect his volume would be high since he's the only game in town offensively, but he's actually startlingly inefficient with his touches, and he has a relatively tough strength of schedule for running backs this year as well. Another guy that's never stayed healthy for an entire season in his six seasons as a pro, and he's nearing that 29-year-old running back cliff. At his ADP, I would much rather take a guy with way more upside like Javante Williams or Rashad White. Okay, a couple of guys I'm not crazy about this year, and I'm not planning on drafting. Travis Etienne, his ADP is mid-fourth round. Uh, yes, he technically is a starter there, but they were saying that they don't want to feed him any more than what they did last year, and he was kind of, he was uh, kind of a middle-range guy there. Uh, they got Tank Bigsby, a big bull at the goal, so I think he's not going to score as many times as people think, and he's certainly not worth picking the fourth round. And another one, a little bit later in the draft, in mid-rounds, people are thinking, well, Dave Montgomery's gone from Chicago, so let me jump on Kelly Herbert. He had his moments with the team last year, but they signed Dante Foreman in free agency, and then they drafted Rushon Johnson as their future back. It's going to be in bar BBC people, so if you draft, even if you draft uh, Kelly Herbert in uh, his ADP around uh, around uh, 10 or 11, you might think that you might be able to start him in any one week and get solid numbers, and that's just simply not the case. I don't think he has uh, – they have a big role plan for him there. He's suited better suited in an RBBC. So, anyway, uh, let's see. That uh, does it for uh, this week. We uh, thank everybody for joining us. Yep, this is for Chris Fredo. This is Mike Nazarek. We'll see you all next week when the wide receiver position from a fantasy perspective is previewed for 2023. Good night and good luck to everybody drafting. Oh, by the way – Make sure you check out our, our, our sponsor of the show, uh, MyFFPC.com. They got, uh, their, their main event is filling up fast. They're the uh, premier main event high-stakes uh, contest in the country right now, and you can also play in leagues to start as little as 35 and $77 with them. Check them out, MyFFPC.com. Anyway, good luck to everyone drafting this week, and we'll see you next week. Football! Football? You know, a physical sport. You've been listening to the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge with your host, Michael Nazareth, the definitive fantasy football information and advice show. Join us next time. 
Until then, remember, there's no bragging rights for finishing second. Good day, sir!